gentlemen welcome back for another episode of the midwest monsters podcast i'm one of your hosts i'm grizzly abner and i'm joined by professor wagstaff venomous Vinny, hot toddy good to be with you again folks tonight we have decided to pick a topic uh based on a character and um all of the many many films that have been done on this character tonight we're talking about the story of dr jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Anybody tell me about the origin of the story? Professor? Oh. Uh, damn professor. <laughs> uh, it's a classic novella um, written by Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson, who also did Treasure Island, among uh, many other things. Not familiar. <laughs> Uh, first published in 1886, um, the actual, for sure, proper title is The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or Take the Strange Case Off, or just simply Jekyll and Hyde. Um, traditionally, the films veered off a little bit from what the main focus and vehicle for the original novella was, um, with much less uh, romance that was injected into the films, um, but it's basically about um, the idea of good and evil, public and private, and tapping into that um, basically through science within uh, Dr. Jekyll's work and kind of getting into more of the um, <clears throat> primitive side of man. Um, and basically, it's just a uh, early version of a mad scientist questing after um, what he believes and how that drives him mad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's the, the general idea of the yeah. story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any big Jekyll and Hyde fans in the house? I love it. I love the whole, uh, the whole story. I, it leads obviously to things like, uh, interest in the incredible Hulk. I love that type of story slash character, the dichotomy, the split personality, uh, the man and the monster. Wolfman. Yes. I am a huge fan of, of that type of lore. And so I've always been very interested in the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And because it's a public domain character at this point, mm-hmm. it's you it's everywhere. Like there's been a million versions of it. The character pops up all over the place. Um, I don't know. I'm just, a, I, I really enjoy it. I love the dichotomy I, because I think, I think all of us, to a degree, uh, know that we have that dichotomy within ourselves, that mm-hmm. dark versus light, the man versus beast, you know, the primitive creature that dwells within us. And I don't know, I just really have always enjoyed those themes about the story. I think there's interesting early explorations into uh, the idea of knowing kind of the dangers of something pleasurable, um, because I, this really isn't any different than what you see in the news today, um, whether it be, uh, you know, drug use, uh, 
serial killers. These things apply within the ideas of this, which is that you use this initially and it's effective, and but suddenly things start, it starts to last not quite as long. You need a little bit more and mm -hmm. eventually it overtakes you. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's the kind of the interesting idea of, of choosing to walk through that door of indulgence and understanding the power that kind of stays within that. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to tap into that, you know, you better know how to control it. Yeah. And I think that that's interesting because I don't think that he was forecasting a lot of those problems that, you know, necessarily that the world would kind of have wipe over us at different times, but that this is such a basic concept, but a, a genius one that it's applicable to all those types of things. Oh yeah. I mean, it carries over to so many different ideas and concepts and stories and films. I mean, think of, um, well, I mean, one of the most famous sitcoms of the last 10 years, um, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Not sitcom, but drama. You know what I mean? Like it was that idea that he was, he started as the good guy, but it is, is he casually continued to drift into the bad. Well, I'm only going to do this much. I'm only going to do this much until he's ultimately consumed mm -hmm. yeah. by the evil side of things. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't heard. Um, but yeah. You know, and, and Johnny Cash had a song called The Beast in Me, and he just talked about, like, this dark side of him that always just stays chained up and locked away until, you know, something could bring it out. So, yeah, it's an interesting concept that plays out in so much storytelling, you know, before this story came out, but also more pointedly afterwards that you could see the duality there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of think of the time period and. And I mean, I know there's like the potion and, and the thing, but I, I think the dual side. So uh, imagine like, especially being a doctor, like high society and, and the things that maybe like urges and stuff that you would, you know, conceal or hide or um, I think this can go for many things. I think that's why this is heavily influenced from, you mentioned the Incredible Hulk and uh, Nutty Professor and uh, there's like Batman, like Two-Face, the Riddler, I think we're both kind of probably modeled after Jekyll, um, or Mr. Hyde, I guess. Yeah. One. You know, I mean, even you take like Frederick Nietzsche or Nietzsche, whoever you want to pronounce it. He had a famous quote that's be careful how long you gaze into the abyss for the abyss also gazes into you. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I mean, a very famous philosophical line about just, you know, how you can be consumed with, you know, the, the void that you stare into. Yeah. It can become part um, of you. And speaking kind of from a philosophical standpoint, I think maybe, Arguably the best rendition that's ever been brought is when Steve Urkel became <laughs> Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, I quit. <laughs> done with the show. So let's start getting into some of these films that portrayed the story. I'm interested, too, if any of you guys had any important kind of prior experiences to getting ready for this show, like if there was something – a movie or you know something especially from when you were younger that was uh, kind of effective for you with it or if this a lot of this was new territory a lot of new territory for me uh for me the character of jekyll and hyde was always just uh a secondary or tertiary character in another story someone who yeah. popped up in a sitcom someone who popped up in another movie like it was never like front and center yeah uh, i think my first exposure to it i think it was actually a nintendo game called jekyll and hyde yeah, and that's where I first encountered it, and you know, obviously popped up in cartoons and things like that. So, 
Yeah, so this was a lot of uncharted territory for me. Cool. I I was very familiar with it. My dad's a fan of the story too, and you know, dad's done costumes for Halloween and things like that. So I don't remember particularly where or when I was first introduced to it. I, I feel like it's always been around me in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I had read probably 15 years ago, I finally had actually read the novella and uh, was very was impressed with it. I think mm-hmm. something that with the book that you don't get in a lot of interpretations, especially the more modern ones, is that Hyde was supposed to be smaller than Jekyll. Dwarfish. Yeah. And that they really go monster with him in a lot of interpretations. But I don't particularly have a problem with either presentation myself. No. I'm not big, that big of a stickler. Um, I think probably similar. I, I feel like I don't remember really watching many of the movies, to be honest. And until going into this, I only felt like there might have been a handful of, of movies. I didn't realize how many. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't. For me, I think maybe like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, or I felt like there was something like that yeah, that probably introduced me to it. Yes, definitely. Um, and then like Abner kind of touched. Like I feel like a lot of movies, like Nutty Professor and and stuff like that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, influenced. Um, there's definitely a lot of movies like um, Van Helsing. I don't think the movie had him. Um, I feel like there was a cartoon prequel that had Jekyll. You're you're correct. There was. There was. So that was like the first person. Animated prequel. Yeah, and then I think maybe, did the movie open where he's killing him? Yeah, the movie opened with a final show. It's been a while. Um, So like Van Helsing, lead of Extraordinary Gentleman, has Jekyll and Hyde. I liked both Hydes in those movies as well. Like Abner touched on, it seems like a a character that's like secondary in in a movie with a lot of other characters. Again, when a character's public domain yep, like that, and everybody is. knows who it is, anybody can use Inject it who wants to. And, and then I would spice s- up a yep. story. I would say going into this, there was like about five that I was trying to make sure I watched, which I didn't wasn't able to get all of the ones that I was after. But um, I did watch quite a few of the the movies for this that I could. So yeah, um, and I, I won't say anything about any specific movie, but it was definitely uh, present in in my house growing up, mm-hmm. so especially. Uh, couple of film versions in particular but you know i'll save that when we get into them but um i use this as a nice excuse to try and branch out a little bit on some other versions that either i had never seen before or maybe were ones that i'm not nuts about but they're fine so it was a nice excuse to revisit them so yeah for sure uh vinny wasn't uh christmas carol last year didn't your dad show up as yes my dad showed up to the local haunted house as uh as Mr. Hyde. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Is he doing London after midnight? You're like, no, he's Mr. Hyde. I was like, oh, yeah. That's awesome, too. Yeah. Very cool. I always, I always find that a character like Mr. Hyde, it's right up there with Ebenezer Scrooge, honestly. Yeah. Because it's similar time periods, and it's public domain, and a million actors have done it. A million versions of the yeah. of the movie has been done. I So I always kind of... And I can't be alone in saying that I feel like this is... I can't think about Jekyll and Hyde without thinking about Jack the Ripper for some reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I actually looked up. Um, that's weird that you said that. I looked up the timeline because I thought maybe the book was influenced, but it actually came out two years before the Jack the Ripper murders. Yep. And, Professor, didn't you mention on a previous episode that uh, they had actually shut down a production? 
Yeah, there was one uh, major production. I jotted a note down here. It ran for 20 years from 1887 to 1907. Um, it was Thomas Russell Sullivan's stage play that Richard Mansfield starred in. That was playing in London at the time that those murders happened. And he was so ridden with guilt and he was afraid that it was fueling someone acting in that way, you know, just turning into an animal in the evenings um, and kind of being anonymous during the day that uh, they shut it down, I think, at least if not for a little bit. Um, but it went on to run another um, 15 years after that, and it went all over the world. It was a, a big deal. Yeah. All right. Shall we delve into some of the films? Sure. Well, I think there's uh, only one or two places to start. You just want to go chronologically? I mean, if we've watched all of them. Um, if anybody's seen, let's mention it. If anybody's seen it, we'll discuss it. Yeah. Even if it's just one person. Okay. Hot Toddy, did you have a list? Um, I mean, if not, it's okay. it's not full. Uh, I think the first uh, one that I have on mine is 1912. Um, James Cruz was the, was the director. Mm -hmm. So I think this was actually on, um, the Blu-ray that I had. It's a extra feature. Kinos. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did get to check this one out. Um, I don't know. Like I love like silent movies are fun and stuff, but there's, I don't feel like I get a lot from, from what I would get from a full length film. To, well, it depends on, on what you're watching to 1912 especially as a special feature with that 20 version is just, I mean, it's pretty drab in comparison. Yeah. Who here has seen the 1920 version with Barrymore? I've seen it. That's the famous. I watched that one. Yeah. 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 I watched part of it. I think that's, that's a really good one to kind of dig into there. I watched the one that hot toddy's talking about Mm -hmm. uh, for this. It's rather short. It's like 15 minutes long, isn't it? Yeah, because they well that in uh, 1912 it, it's weird. A lot of these are back to back. So 1912, there's one that followed 1913 that was like an IMP production. I was so blown away when I re- when I let my mind really settle on the fact that I was watching film of somebody from over 100 years ago. Like that's where we are with how long we've had the technology mm-hmm. is that we're able to watch video of people from over a hundred in high, de- high depth blu-ray that's crazy yeah. to me starting to approach the hundred anniversaries all the time yeah it's nuts i, it's I will crazy. i think the 1912 one though did have uh i think that one had notes that you know some of its rough quality like there there wasn't you know i think the original thing had film had been lost and it, i think it'd been pieced back together from yeah what, what existed yeah um the, the thing that probably uh stood out the most for me was i just i was trying to place myself uh it always kind of gripes me when people complain about uh a movie like like silver bullet coming out on blu-ray when that was made it was made for vhs was our format at the time for home video um so I was just think of how the 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 moviegoers at the time. So I could, I would imagine um for what was out there that the 1912 movie probably freaked people. Oh, out. I probably blew their minds. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where I mean the the transformation didn't quite line up, mm-hmm. but still for for the time period, I, I'm sure it flipped oh, some yeah. people out. So if we're the only two who have seen that one, should we move on to? So anyone watch the 1913? I didn't I didn't have access no. to that. No, there is 
uh, an insane amount of and then, adaptations on this not, film. Even, yeah. even in the silent era, there yeah. were a lot well, of Well, 1920, again, there's dueling films. So there's the Paramount, John Barrymore, and then there's the Lewis B. Mayer, which I didn't get to check that one out, but I did watch the John Barrymore. I did, I've did. i seen that one before, but I watched it again as well. <clears throat> Barrymore's <clears throat> buries that one. It's, again, Barrymore's is the really the first one, I think, to grab audiences visually. Um Within that one, uh, and again, we haven't injected romance into it like we will with many future versions. But within this one, um, we're, we're sticking more to just the idea of his work and, and what he is trying to achieve with it. Uh, I think they filmed it in Astoria. Um, hmm. And that tells me that we visited the film studio. Uh, back in the 80s, I was too little to remember it, but where they filmed it there. Um, but <clears throat> I think the most impressive thing with this one is that for American silent horror, we get intense. I mean, the visuals with him when he's coming at the camera still hold up. I mean, if you looked up in a room today and that was coming at you, you would be a little concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's effective. Uh, Barrymore... Did some very impressive stuff uh, merely by contorting his face. Mm -hmm. It isn't makeup with that first change. That's literally him flailing around and getting his hair down in his face and changing expressions and coming back up with it. Um, <clears throat> there's many effective scenes within the film, um, especially the one that bothered me when I was younger is when he comes up as a spider later in the film onto the bed. And it's Barrymore's head, but it's on the body of a life-size spider. Mm. And they've got it blended over the footage of him laying in bed. And that's coming up and basically climbing into him. It's the evil taking over. Um, but there was still more of an effort, too, to kind of make him hunched over and smaller. And so with this one, this is one of, one of the greatest horror movies of the 1920s, I think, in America. Uh, most of the ones that you can go back to they're either Lon Chaney or they're overseas. Yeah. Um, but this one I think really kicks off the fascination that grows with people in the story because um, mainly Barrymore. He's so excellent in it. Um, thoughts on this one? I love the, I love the appearance of Hyde. I, I like the, the slightly pointed head like toward the top, something you'll see repeated. Yeah. Many times in many films afterwards, because it's kind of, it's it's Simeon. Uh, I like that. I like that end of it, and I think that Hyde still that footage is creepy. It's creepy because it's old footage, but it's also creepy just because of of the of the makeup and the mm -hmm. facial expressions and everything. I, I it's not something I'm going to pop in often. Occasionally, I will, and it's mostly just to marvel. You have to, and this is something that you'll run into later with some of these versions that puts me off of them. If you're going to do a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you better have a damn good transformation scene. Mm. Yeah. And so that's another thing that draws me in to watch these is I like seeing how each filmmaker created these things. And it's so it's neat in these older ones to see what the technology they had, what they were able to do. I think uh, this is probably one that I remember watching as a as a kid. Um, so I don't remember exact like 
I don't know. I feel like as weird as it is, I know Disney used to play Chaplin a lot. So that's probably what drawed me in was I would watch Chaplin films. Um, so I'm sure again, it'd be in public domain. It was probably shown on television. Um, just growing up here and there. Um, but yeah, I like it. Silent movies are a little odd. Like, I don't know. It's not something totally uh, engrossing where you got to, I don't know, just kind of lack something for me. Again, I love Charlie Chaplin, so his are a little bit different. But, um, And again, kind of like the 1912, I can see where this would probably, even more so because of the transformation and, and the fact that like it's him and um, I don't know, almost like another person. So we're now it would just be CGI heavy and probably look really bad. I... I haven't watched this whole thing. I was actually looking for the 1931 version, and this one was on YouTube mislabeled as the 1931 oh, version. No. And so I watched part of it, and I was like, I don't think this is it, because I think the 31's a talkie, you know? And yeah. Then, and then I, I just kind of skipped around just to see what it was like. 31's not very easy to find. It's not. I did not get to watch it. Yeah, Warner Archive just... Um, was that the Frederick that March out. one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't find that either. Well, the irony of that is... Um, my dad looked for this film for years. 1920 or 1931? 1931. Okay. Same here. Um, Same with my dad. He saw it in a uh, triple bill. Uh, the Grizz was over at my place here in Muncie numerous times and probably remembers the poster I had hanging up. It was from that show. Mm. Um, my dad was so enthralled with it that he went and talked to the people running the theater and they were done with it after that night. They were like, yeah, take it. Nice. So it's got um, Fu Manchu, um, Mark of the Vampire, and Frederick March's Jekyll. Um, but he saw it that one time in the early 70s, and then once videos started happening and trading films, he could not find this damn thing. Um, and I can't remember where he finally did it. It might have been Cinevent, which still happens every year around Memorial Day in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but <clears throat> this is pretty much his favorite movie of all time, just of all movies. And I think a large part of that is getting to it. Um, and, the, and kind of the journey and the initial great experience he had with it. Um, so have any of you guys seen this one ever at any point? Yes. I've seen it many times. Okay. This to me is the definitive one. Yeah. Absolutely. This is the best one. Um, You'll never find one better. Yeah. I haven't yet. And with this, uh, I think it was kind of the perfect storm because Frederick March brought a lot of stage hamminess to film when he first got started. Um, and you'll find a lot of that in early talkies because they were still kind of finding their footing with film. Mm-hmm. Um, and much of these people were being carted over, you know, off of the stage and right. Broadway and, and getting into film. And so you have a lot of very pronounced ways of talking with that. And it's because people were from the stage, right? But he's great for that. in this, that because the success of this known around the world was as a stage show and it really lends itself well to both sides of these, you know, characters that he's playing. Um, this has a wonderful, in particular, a wonderful transformation scene. It has lots of great scenes in it, but there's one that's historical. Um, which is, and maybe you already know this, uh, Ruben Mamoyan directed the film. He refused to tell how they did it. And he said, you'll find out when I die. And they didn't know until the, I can't remember what year oh, it was. Oh, the transformation? Yeah, but it was the mid-80s. Oh, wow. Uh, 50 years later when the world got to learn how they did it, which was with colored gel kits. Colored gel kits and, 
Yeah, with the cameras and the lighting. Yeah. He was wearing the makeup already, but if you change yep. the gel kits, then you could see it. So slow as they slowly focus it in, it start the it the, starts to form it on almost, and it, lo- it, looks, it looks like, like he's transforming and almost it's hair crazy. To it. Um and it only works in black and white. Yeah. Um so it's kind of the perfect solution for what they were doing with that. That's um but cool. Ruben Mamoyan, I mean, he was a, a legitimate director. It had a good cast with Frederick March, obviously, but you also have Miriam Hopkins, um, Rose Hobart, and like we talked about, some excellent transformation scenes. Um, but I, I highly recommend any listeners who haven't watched this version, is when the opportunity presents itself, do. It's worth your time. It's one Absolutely. of the better offerings you can have for non-universal horror. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just... Frederick March is great. You know, he won an Oscar for it. Yeah, and this is one of the few instances. Ironically, this this story in general is one of the uh, kind of along the way some of the few times that horror has gotten a little bit of respect in the snootier side of Hollywood and yeah. the award shows. Um, but yeah, th- this one is this is to me my favorite. I love it. I love how each time he turns into Hyde, he becomes more deformed physically each time. Yeah. To where by the end of it, he's just nasty looking, just mm-hmm. absolutely nasty looking. It's uh, the first film, first adaptation of the film in the talkie era. Yeah. Um, it's It had to have either been pre-code. It's pre-code. Okay, because some of the things that they were doing in a movie from 31, it's racy. you don't typically see from films of that era so i knew that tipped me that it had to either be pre-code or they just weren't enforcing it very heavily it's even racier than the usual racy and pre-code films and for listeners who don't understand uh what pre-code is uh basically the breen office came in with morality and laid the law down on what was going to be permittable in film and what wasn't i think that took place maybe june of 1934 so you have this small pocket of film you'll see some stuff in silent film but it's obviously more effective when we have dialogue and traditional sound married with it and so for about a four-year span of film you'll see and hear things where you're like what yeah because i mean you go up into television in the early 60s and married couples are sleeping in separate beds things are still very kind of sterilized in cinema and on and on television and so with this small little window of time when film really hadn't gotten as slick and polished as it would go on to be when it's kind of, you know, still stagey and lethargic in ways. It's, it's just a very bizarre time to watch movies. And this is one of the highlights of that little pocket of time, if not the highlight. Yeah. I mean, there, some of the things like when he goes back to the room with Miriam Hopkins and she's taking off her stockings yes. on screen. That's the one main thing that I was like, him. oh, wow, how are they getting away with this? You've got uh, at one point he's kissing her on the bed and she's turned with the side of her breast exposed. Yeah. Um, with, you know, you got side boob in a 1931 That's film. That's crazy. And so, like I said, you go on and then you think about married couples sleeping in separate beds mm-hmm. here in a few years. It's it's very startling. Um, but, uh, but the best part is, is it's not really just the sensational shocking side of it. It's just really good. It's an excellent film. So the, if nothing else, this is my top recommendation for adaptations. I think there's been over 120 and this is number one and we're coming up on a hundred years. We're not far off from that. Yeah. yeah. I was so disappointed that I couldn't get a hold of it because everything online says this is the definitive. The, you know, they say this is what you have to watch. Yeah. And 
I didn't get to watch it. This is one I tried to track down, and it's probably one of the first ones I can think of that I might have seen. Um, and it's our local library. Um, they probably had it forever. Um, when I started going back to the library to get movies again, I freaked out that they had gotten rid of all of their VHS movies. Um, but I used to go down there and get a lot of the old, like, Universal and, um, like, Hammer films, a lot of films I'd never seen before. And and probably uh, when we first got VHS at our library, um, that's probably one of the first movies I checked out was was the 32. So, But it's... It's one of the main ones I was seeking for uh, for this and, and had no luck either. Yeah. Yeah. It's very innovative, too. The movie opens with POV camera work. Mm. Um, so we walk up as Dr. Jekyll and we go to the mirror. But if we actually have Frederick March on the other side, um, I think they, they did it almost flawlessly. There's at one point in the reflection you can see. In the, it's because it's like a weird glass. So it looks like a reflection, but you can see like a grip walk behind uh, the person operating the camera. But other than that, it's spot on. And we go with him through the start of his day and out to the carriage and riding in the carriage. And, and so it's just, it's a very unique film in, in a lot of different ways. And, and March is just, he's, he's the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, you have to see it to understand what I mean, but he's just, he's so pronounced and energetic and damn, he's good. It's one of the best. It's yeah. just an all time. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So another one that I was trying to seek out that I didn't get a chance to was the 1941 MGM one with uh, Spencer Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I don't hear many people talk about it, but just the fact that it's Spencer Tracy playing right. him. Um, I thought it would have been a good one to watch for this, but I did not get to, to watch this film. I've seen that one. I After you've seen Frederick March, there's no reason to have this around unless it's the only one you can get a hold of. Yeah. I, I I also, another thing, I like a good transformation, but I also like a good makeup job on my hide as well. I don't like it. And that act- presents a problem with this one. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. So that, and that's a personal preference, but that does turn me off to this version anything, of it. I don't think that's a, a unreasonable complaint. I mean, that's, what are we tuning in for? Right. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And, um, yeah, with this one, it's, it's one of the the biggest productions you will ever learn about in the history of horror film uh, with a studio taking it a hundred percent serious. It's important to remember too. I know we mentioned it, but March won the Oscar for it. So this mm-hmm. one's still not a bastard, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's still respected and they decide we're going to go big with this. Um, and it was 41. So you got Victor Fleming uh, a couple of years after gone with the wind wizard of Oz You've got Spencer Tracy, Lana Turner, Ingrid Bergman. This is top shelf. Oh, yeah. It's a big cast. Um, and the production's huge. You can tell. Just, I mean, the photography's beautiful. Everything's lavish. The sets are they're wonderful. Um, but the problem with it is, is that, A, I think they've got casting wrong. Ingrid Bergman and Lana Turner should have been flipped. You've got the, and that was on purpose originally. The director thought it would be interesting to take the two that you think should be this and that and flip them around. Should have just left them with what they were good at. Um, but as uh, Vinny has already mentioned, it's its biggest weakness for many horror fans is the transformations are whack. Mm-hmm. They are very minor. And even by the end, the end he looks kind of cool. But he kind of just looks like a guy who's went on a bender. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And so this is where we start to see kind of that 
uh, disparaging distance between the snootiness and and the horror fans, right? Because we're not we're not really in it for that. Yeah, we're trying to make it something else. Yeah, and it's it has some vicious scenes, but by and large, it it just completely lacks. It just comes the, off the as unnecessary. After you've already got thirty one, there's been an Oscar one from the performance. Why? And yeah, it's you know ten or so years later, but but why? Why? I, I would say that it was probably to their their way of Universal at this point is like knocking out the. The classics, and maybe this is a way but for them to again, try to. I guess we also yeah, have to put ourselves back. in the time period as well, and it's not like anybody you had a VHS copy of the thirty-one when they could watch. Right. Yeah, you take another star at that point. Hey, go see him yeah. do this great yep. role. Because yeah. the whole generation at this point has not seen a Jekyll or Hyde. Jekyll well, Hyde. and I think it's important too to isolate each film when when you kind of critique them or isolate it or you know share your opinions on yeah. it basically. Because here's the thing: if Frederick March. If that version didn't exist, we'd be much more kind to this because it's a no, really true. well-made film. So I don't want to encourage people to skip it. It's not bad. No. It's it's a quality film. It's just it's not Frederick March. Mm-hmm. Um, but one funny thing, um, Spencer Tracy hated doing this afterwards. He regretted really? it. And uh, I, as legend goes, he called Frederick March as soon as it wrapped. And said, I just did you the biggest goddamn favor you could have ever asked for. Because <laughs> he thought it was going to just make him be for his time doing that be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't the case. I think within you know a year, nobody was talking about that when it was still Frederick March's that was remembered kindly. Um, and these, this is probably going to jump around a little bit. But um, the next one I have is 1953. is Abbott and Costello mm-hmm. meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Again, another movie. I ch- this one really chapped me because our library had it on uh, different volumes of Abbott and Costello. It was and the who, one who volume. Who plays Doctor Jekyll in this one? Karloff. Is this Karloff? I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've never seen it, and I went to go. It's the only one that was checked out of all the Abbott and Costello movies they had. Um, and I, I just bought the you know I was kind of talking on the way up. Was I bought the the new Blu-ray uh, Universal Monsters, and they even have. Um, meet Frankenstein on two two different uh, times on there, but like they didn't throw this one on for some reason. It's a little aggravating. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't just make a Alan Costello meet the monsters. I am as well. However, they they quickly are not as good as meet Frankenstein. Oh, without question. Yeah. To me, quickly. there's it's meet Frankenstein and meet the killer Boris Karloff, and then the rest are kind of start just yes. being and, and I always thought it was strange, too, especially uh, with them doing this, is why didn't Universal get on the bandwagon and, and make this part of... Why didn't they ever do a Jekyll and Hyde for the Universal Monsters? Mm-hmm. It's a little odd that they didn't uh, throw this in the mix. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Costello meet uh, Jekyll and Hyde is it's entertaining. It's it's I would say on the good half if you're ranking. Yeah. Um, those films, especially with them meeting the Universal Monsters and other not a characters. fan of either the transformation nor the appearance of Mister Hyde in this one myself. I I'm indifferent. I don't I. They could have been way worse. Oh, they could have been. There's just no nothing For, about them that stands out. I will say this: with Avon Costello were cash cows. They saved that studio. Oh, yeah. And very frequently. The, the wonderful appeal for them is you didn't have to spend much money. And so I think that they at least put enough into this to make it serviceable uh, for especially kids who went to see a transformation. They got enough. Yeah. Um, 
but it's um it's it's a fun and kind of one to add in here in the list of films because this is such a heavy ass story and all the versions are heavy so it's it's nice that uh you get out and costello in there with them but it's exactly what you think it is like you know even if you haven't seen it yet it's it's the usual antics it delivers on those fronts it's not as funny as uh, meet the frankenstein but i think there's also a certain sense of wonder with the classic monsters and that that kind of makes it it impossible for the rest of these to live up to that. Sure. Sure. Uh, so next I have a uh, daughter of Dr. Jekyll, 1957. Uh, I didn't even have a never, chance to even seek this one out. Anybody? That one. Yep. No. Anybody? No. Bueller? Never Bueller. seen it. Uh, I did watch 1960, the two faces of Dr. Jekyll. Is that hammer hammer, Christopher Lee. Oh, I have uh, not seen that one. Paul Massey. It's been years since I saw that. Um, I'd never seen it. I watched it for this. I actually really enjoyed this one. Um, What's the title of that one again? Uh, this faces. one is The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll. He did, Lee did another one, too. I something. I can't remember the yeah, name. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few, too, that didn't, like, the names are, are really branched out. Yeah. When you look, if you look up Dr. Jekyll films, you're going to get a lot of. Uh, there's a bunch. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, something that we kind of skipped over that again, there was a uh, Doctor Pickle and Mister Pride. Oh, so 1925. I had never seen it. Um, I actually thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's um, on that keynote. Yeah, it was also on there as well. Um, there was one that um, I don't even know if it's in print anymore. I'm trying to find it on my list. Um, I've got one real quick. Uh, 1968 TV movie with Jack Palance. Yep. Oh, yeah. My dad turned me on to that one. Um, I I watched that. Like, I'm gonna. It is listed on Amazon Prime as like 2000 or yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I start watching it and I'm like, I I hate saying this because I feel like normally when I watch a film I can guess the time period. I was guessing 1980s like TV movie. Yeah. When I looked at it's 19. You got color television. Yeah. Like it was. I thought it was really well done. Um, The only reason I started questioning it, I was like, number one, Jack Palance, I think was dead in. By 2001. Oh, yeah. And then he's obviously very young. Um, yeah, Dan Curtis produced it, who did Dark Shadows and other uh, TV mo- horror TV movies. Mm-hmm. I think he did um, the Kolchak films. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely a, a genre, genre hero. But he did this one as well. And my main thing that I liked about it, because I'd never watched it until within the last week or two. Yeah. Um, I really like seeing Jack Valance focus so much on being the doctor mm-hmm. because he primarily was a heavy yeah he was the bad guy and villain and everything and so it's really a showcase for him that it's it surprised me yeah um with the with the balance of that and how excellent i thought he was and the and the mood and the sets and everything were really pretty impressive for a tv movie i, I think the transformation too is pretty uh it was kind of simple but at the same time it was pretty effective for live um, television, yeah, yeah. it's pretty. Yeah, the transformation wasn't bad. My only complaint was that you know he was unrecognizable. There, he... And that goes back to the Spencer Tracy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's, so if you just... think about it, though, I mean, turn of the century, people aren't like coming out with no beard and short hair, and then had long hair. So I mean, it's not like. And see, I would, <laughs> I wish somebody would come out. You're jumping ahead to Mary Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Riley. I wish somebody would come out with a modern version of this that takes it serious and have two completely different people play the roles. Yes. I I like that the same actor plays both characters in most things. That's but, one of the things I think 
even I even like when the Hulk is the mo it's mo capped by the guy playing Banner. I I just enjoy that. Well, and things. and I I like the transformations and that idea of it and showing the two sides of a person, but. The differences within the original story of this dwarfing a man and making yeah. him completely different to find two similar people, I think, would be a really effective way, especially with the technology now, yeah. to kind of transform them. Um, but but if they just use really the technology done. from the Michael Jackson black or white video. <laughs> it just does the morphed, movie, morphed, morphed down screen. <laughs> For some reason, I was picturing Billy Bob as like Sling Blade, but then like from like Armageddon. Yeah. yeah. No, I like this one. The um, This one was under the title Strange Case. Yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I thought Jack Palance was great. Uh, for those of you trying to remember who he is, if you need help, uh, he was Curly in City Yeah, Sears, Curly. I, I, sure. my first... if he didn't have a legacy of film before that. Well, Curly was a great role. Yeah. I think Curly, I always think of Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what I really liked about this one, as opposed to some of the other ones I watched, was that this one was really focused on Jekyll and his work. Yes. And how he was ridiculed by his colleagues, and he really just had this theory that he wanted to separate the good and bad sides, not so that you could indulge the bad side, but so that you could free the good side. Yeah. But as the film played out and as we found out, he liked the bad side yeah. too much. Like, well, that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, change I, of plans. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate. And I think that's really the heart of the, the original story. Yeah. The yeah. original story in that, like, it could start with noble intentions. Again, back to the idea of Breaking Bad, back to the idea of Nietzsche staring, you know, staring into the abyss. Like, it was the noble intention of trying to free the good side. But the bad side was just too much fun. Like, I love that that scene where uh, he tries to isolate himself. He's trying to get jumped by those guys uh, outside of the the flop house. Whore house. Whore house, <laughs> if you will. And uh, he kicks all their asses, you know? And, like, he's like, ah, village. I kind of like this, you know? And so it's just like, each scene is more and more him slipping into what he can get away with as Hyde. And I just thought that was really well done. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think it's about all my notes on that one. But. So uh, one of the, one of the, I guess it's unauthorized, but 1920, the head of Janice was, mm-hmm. I found that on the listing. I couldn't find this movie. This probably movie's long gone and destroyed. Um, it's a snuff film. <laughs> I we were making up movies. <laughs> It's a fact. <laughs> Real news. It's the hand of Barbara from uh, 1933. <laughs> the, the next one on my list is Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, oh, yeah. 1971. I haven't seen that one. Missed that one. I, um, I'm going to not watch this film because I'm just picturing that he turns into a woman and then people put their junk in her <laughs> and then he's a little sore the next day. <laughs> the end. I don't want to watch it. Interesting synopsis. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Cuckoo. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to go in order. My list is all crazy. Um, I have Jekyll and Hyde 1982. I don't even have any details. This might have been... Uh, there was a couple I started and just turned off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same here. I, I watched one with the dude who was in uh, The Mummy. He played Brendan Fraser's brother-in-law or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't impressed. Yeah, so I have uh, 82. Kind of disappears for a while. In the 90s, though, uh, Columbia... I think kind of like taking a page from Universal, they had released Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Wolf with Jack Nicholson, 
And then Mary Riley came out in 1996. Mary Riley. Um, I remember seeing this in the theater. I haven't watched it in a long time. I uh, watched it this morning. What movie? Mary Riley. Mary, Mary Riley. Riley. Skipping 1990, Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I didn't have that on my list. <laughs> Go ahead we'll with that one. Yeah, go ahead with 90. Hit 90 up real quick. Are, we, are you trying to anger me with the timeline here? <laughs> it's early. <laughs> I haven't made enough drinks yet, have I? 1990, Jekyll and Hyde, played by Mike O'Kane. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was, forgot about I've that. I've seen this on... I'm sorry. Did anybody watch it? Has no. no. I've never seen it. <laughs> well... Mike O'Kane. Do, do, do yourself a favor. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Mike O'Kane. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just, it's too love story. Uh, like, uh, I was so hated it with the focus on the love story. I will, however, say it's fantastic transformation. Oh, like really? Like when he transforms into Hyde, he looks He's like... He's even more angry. <laughs> yeah. He looks That's like... all he does is yell. He looks like Jason Voorhees. <laughs> like hmm. he's... He looks very... Hmm. Mongoloid. <laughs> good, good terms. Um, we got a ruling on that word yet? <laughs> uh, we're bringing it back. All right. Um, so, which is interesting. It's an interesting take because um, it's more of this monstrosity, as you were talking about, Vinny, like this shift from, you know, being like the small ghoulish kind of thing to like this big monster. And so this is the thing in this one is he's kind of that big monster. And the big twist ending. Is that big baby looking thing? Well, that's what's funny. At, at the end... Is there a son of Jekyll? They have, they have a hide child. Oh. So the ending... This, so it starts with... They're having a sale Uh-oh. at Jekyll's estate, right? And people are selling things, and they're like, Oh my gosh, we found such and such. And so they we, found the baby? No, we found this woman. Found a woman's name here. And they were like, Oh, stop the sale, stop the sale. And so they go find the woman, and she's like, Don't you ever talk to me. Get away from here. And they're like... But the boy deserves the inheritance. And she's like, he will never learn who his father is. And then they, they do the story. Does he have Michael Caine's head? <laughs> I, I wish. I wish. So they they cut. They do the whole story. And they cut back to it. So you find out why she's pissed off. Because Hyde beat her. You know, like she loved Jekyll. But Hyde viciously attacked her. And then they're like, oh, here comes the boy now. And the boy rolls up. Straight up mongoloid style. <laughs> Looking just like Jason Voorhees from part one. Did he Where jump he out goes, of the lake? Yes, he looks just like even younger, even. Oh, and man. so you're please like, tell me that the baby was Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Did the baby go on to form a band called First Jekyll? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the movie's not good. I you know I watched it because I love my cocaine, and um, I love your cocaine too. <laughs> and so it was disappointing. So guys, feel free to skip that one. But if you ever want to Google image search the, the kid at the end, you should. Maybe I'll do that for us right now. All right, proceed. To so, Mary Riley. Mary well, Riley. actually, I also I also skipped over Edge of Sanity, nineteen eighty nine. Um, I thought I've seen this movie. Um, I feel like so. This is uh, Anthony Perkins, and I think probably this and Psycho Four were probably his last yeah. couple movies. Um, I was thinking this was made for TV. I was wrong. There's lots of dongs all throughout. Um, it's pretty sleazy and trashy. It's actually, um, it actually mixes a lot of, um, which the story is very similar anyways. This one definitely mixes with Jack the Ripper um, to the fact that he's killing horrors off the street. 
Um, Sir, you will call them sex workers. <laughs> what, I, what I find interesting is, of course, it's uh, the 1800s, but like the girls look like Madonna to the fact that when he's taking her clothes off, she has a, a belt buckle that says boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and this one is interesting because how he turns into Hyde is he smokes cocaine. Uh, okay. So, and um, he also... Far off. It's the edge he, of sanity, guys. He's it's also in, influencing others. So, like, uh, there's, like, a, a young man that works in the whorehouse. And he has the young man smoke the cocaine. And, like, one of the whores. And, <laughs> now, is it cocaine or did they boil it down to crack? Well, whatever. Now, crack, is that your cocaine. cocaine or my cocaine? <laughs> my cocaine. So, uh... I, uh, th- this was actually really good. Everybody's I, already turned off this episode now. It's actually pretty entertaining. Um, it's, it's, it's gory. Yeah. Anthony Perkins is good in it. Um, his his The transformation is... I mean, you can still tell it's him, but he does a good uh, from Jekyll to Hyde, I thought. Um, and uh, good scenery. And my other note is just hangs lots of dong. So. Cool. Yes. Uh, Scream Factory did the nice release. There's of that. Scream Factory. Destroyer uh, is the other film with it that he's yeah, also Destroyer. Uh, you know, hangs dong, titties, coot coot. It's a little bit of something for everyone. Um, and then speaking of coot coot, 1996, Julia Roberts, Mary Riley, Mary Riley. Um, I think this is probably one of the best. I this one is um, if you've never seen it, this one is actually through the eyes of one of the housemaids. Mary Riley. Um, so different take on it. This is her uh, perspective of of what's going on. So we don't get. I think I like this probably better after watching a ton of Jekyll and Hyde movies. That it's not the same thing over and over again because it's her story, um, like through her eyes. And I kind of forgot about the because uh, it also so John Malkovich plays Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and when he transforms into Hyde, you can't even tell it's John Malkovich. <laughs> He's been Hyde since like '83. <laughs> so <laughs> he loses them again. He loses the. You're like he just had a mustache. Now it's gone, and he has long hair. <laughs> yeah, that, totally that. different. I forgot though that he he beheads Glenn Close. Yeah, like that scene actually shocked me. I forgot about yeah. it because uh, he keeps like making it like like to tell her to be quiet. It's actually him holding her head. Um. When he becomes Mr. Hyde, it looks like John Malkovich doing Glenn Danzig cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) I like this, my dad's review on it. He goes, really like the film, except it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Allman. What's with the hair? (laughs) I, I want to like this movie more than I do because I love Jekyll and Hyde. And I really like John Malkovich as an actor, and I think he is uh, gifted enough to give a very wonderful performance as a dual personality. It just doesn't deliver on transformations. It doesn't deliver on makeup. Like None of the things that I go into Jekyll and Hyde excited for. The housemate didn't see this. And so it just... I want to like it more than I like it, but it falls kind of flat for me. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't love it, but I think it's a good movie. Um, I think Julie Roberts was good in it. 
Um, I think, As Mary Riley. <laughs> what was Mary Riley? Riley. <laughs> um, I also I liked Malkovich as Jekyll. His hide annoyed me a little bit. He was a little rapey. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it just yeah. So yeah. I liked him better as Jekyll. I think he played a great Jekyll in this. I'm just gonna throw this out here. It's a good thing that you like any of them better as Jekyll. That's healthy for you. <laughs> That's good. He's not That's kicking good. children, <laughs> yeah, beating right. them to death, raping women. Oh yeah, man, totally brutal. Um, but <laughs> I did, uh, Vinny. I want to ask you: How did you feel about the ending where you see like Hyde trying to like break out of him, like skin wise, as if there were like two bodies? Uh, <laughs> it's a little too sci-fi for me. <laughs> Uh, Leave you floating. I, I'm torn on it because at what point do you start to be like on a story like this? Like when you're like, oh, well, I hated here, it. Here's where the fiction. There. Here's where the fiction starts. How do you be like that about something that's already about a guy physically transforming I, into his alter ego? But I don't think it fits. That's my big complaint. I don't think it I, I thought it was a cool scene, but I agree because if it was two different people playing him, the scene would have made sense. But but when he plays both characters, come on, you're like, it's John Malkovich. Here's <laughs> what I like about it. Here's the only defense I'll, I'll paint for it. But it's not portrayed as well in this film as it is with 1968's with Jack Palance in it. If you stick with the original story idea of literally trying to split the no, evil I see what you're from saying. the good personality, I'm not saying it was great, but I'm saying that's what I liked about it. Was that I it was can like, see that if you can literally literally separate good from bad. Yeah, I will say for the fi- for that this film is definitely more like a period piece drama because it's the director of Dangerous Liaisons and The Queen. Um, I thought the CGI for, for this movie in this time period was actually not bad. Yeah. Um, Cause that scene could have been really, really, really poor. I, for me, I really like this film um, mainly because this is a supplemental film to something we already have plenty of and no inside and out. What I like about it is that we kind of come in, I mean, literally through the back door and, and just hey. show kind of a, <laughs> uh, tell the story from a different, perspective and so that's why i have a problem with the scene we're talking about because the film remains it it takes kind of the approach of being more restrained but with more intense sequences with the kills the the second almost human being jumping around out of his back totally does not fit the film i've just watched i think the fact that's my only problem with it if it had been more over the top the whole time in all directions yeah that would fit a little bit better. But this, I mean, we really get into some high drama and serious filmmaking with this. And so when that happens, my problem is that it really doesn't, in the end, service anything other than kind of becoming cartoonish. It doesn't, fit the, it doesn't fit the movie. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't hurt the movie. Yeah. But I, I think him telling her, especially it's, it's not, it wasn't Jekyll, it was Hyde that told her, um, of the train, I think that that scene could have been it, and then we didn't need the ending. But you did mention because again, they didn't show any of, of his kills. It was the aftermath where she's picturing in her head what he did to the guy with the cane. That was pretty vicious too, mm-hmm. though. Um, I kind of feel like that it was more effective, and because of all that, the transformation at the end was was bizarre. I just think it's fun to watch like 
a version or two and have this after that. I'm glad that it exists for that reason, that you can add to that world that you're not going to get from that kind of angle in any of the films that have been done to death. So, Uh, One last thing I'll say, the sets in this film are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 The I love the room with the bridges. The catwalks. Yeah, the catwalks. Oh my gosh, so cool. And the the viewing auditorium where mm-hmm. you like teach and this den even or uh, whatever you want to call it, the office. That that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool sets. Very cool. So great mood. Always, <laughs> you know. I was laughing because she's trying to plant a garden. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, you're gonna get enough sunshine, girl, to <laughs> have a garden in uh, London. <laughs> How do you top Julia Roberts, but Jekyll and Hyde 2001, David Hasselhoff? <laughs> That's a pass. <laughs> Hard pass, brother. Oh, yeah. I skipped this one. Yeah, I've never, I've never this, sat through this one. Is this the one with the bridge in Arizona? No. <laughs> no one watched this film? Nope. No. Never no. even heard of that. No, I have, but I never. This, I remember we had copies in the video store because it was just, to be honest, it was a horror movie and people loved horror films. Uh, never watched it. So 2001. I don't um, think I've had any since Mary Riley. We kind of mentioned earlier. So 2003, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. 2004, Van Helsing. Um, I I would like to say that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I really enjoyed the performance of Jekyll and Hyde by the same actor in this movie. The costuming was fantastic on Hyde. I love that movie. Big monstrosity. You know what makes that movie suck? Tom Sawyer. If they would have left Tom Sawyer out of it, it would have been much better. But I really liked like the Jekyll and Hyde in that one. <laughs> and I also, as I mentioned earlier, I even like uh, Hyde and Van Helsing. I enjoyed both movies. Yeah. Van Helsing, uh, not so much. I uh, Especially League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because I feel like both were hits. I I thought it was strange that they didn't at least do a sequel to uh cuz I thought the concept was cool with all the all the different characters. Um I really wanted to watch mainly cuz it's probably doo-doo, but Tony Todd I like 2006 Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I watched it. Oh, I watched net, your Netflix DVD rental. Uh yes, I did as a matter of fact. It was written and directed by John Carl Buechler. Oh. Uh, has Tracy Scoggins in it and one of the least believable roles of her life. She plays like this cop and it's just, this movie is not good. I wanted it to be good. I was excited because it was all oh, Tony Todd, you know, Jekyll Hyde. This could be cool. It's a modern take on it. Um, it's not good. It's just not good. They play a primatology angle into it, which, of course, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And there are those monkeys. Apes, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, spoiler alert, by the end of it, Hyde turns into a giant chimp. (laughs) How did you not love this film? Racist. (laughs) And it was not good. It was, here's how bad it was. I message Abner and I say, hey man, I got this Jekyll Hyde, Tony Todd gimmick if you want to watch it for the podcast. He's like, is it good? And I was like, no, it's awful, dog. Like, I, I scared him off of this project 100%. So I'm sending the, the Randy Jackson. Yeah, it's going to be a no for me. <laughs> and you're better <laughs> off for it. It was not good. Like A lot of times I watch, I watch some terrible shit gleefully at times 
this is not one of those good terribles. This was just bad. And with having already watched many superior Jekyll and Hyde things for this episode up to this point, this this was an absolute chore to get through. Tony Todd, I love him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this was not his best work. Yeah. That's disappointing because uh, the professor turned me on to uh, a vinyl record with Tony Todd where he's reading Bram Stoker's Dracula. When I was looking for uh, movies to watch for this, I don't think I knew that this movie was around. And I was just like, cool, Tony Todd, I'm going to check that out. So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah I, I'm i disappointed because I wanted to like it, but I can't recommend this. Uh, the last one I have on my list, I was actually shamed for watching by the, by the Grizz. Um, <laughs> but The Mummy, Tom Cruise, uh, 2017. I will say uh, I haven't watched the movie probably since I've seen it in the theater. And I I still enjoy it, but it's it's not as good as what I said when I first watched it. But I still like apology accepted. Uh, I don't I don't remember saying I'm sorry. Uh, I will say though that um, I still think Russell Crowe was good as as Jekyll and Hyde. Maybe a um, good thing about the film. I'll say I'll say rewatching this and knowing that they were doing a whole planned universe, and it's still it's still in the mix if they're going to do one. The only cool thing about canceling it was the next film was The Bride. How can you do A Bride without Frankenstein? Yeah. Um, and the the and it's called Dark Universe. They need to be darker. They It most certainly needs uh, to be horror. Sir, please don't hijack our Jekyll and Hyde episode to grandstand for this Dark Universe movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you did this. You tried to push for it again. I know. He's, I need the Dark Universe. The over. <laughs> I, I did not care for Russell Crowe's Jekyll and Hyde. I didn't, especially because, again, if you're going to do Jekyll and Hyde, give me a transformation scene that's worth a shit. Same with a werewolf movie. I'm there to see a transformation. Don't make his eyes go kind of dark and his skin get veiny, and that's his transformation of Mr. Hyde. Doo-doo. I can't, I can't, rewatching too, like even, uh, even The Mummy, you're going to dangle for real Tom Cruise out of a plane and do all these crazy stunts, but you can't make him wear makeup like he has to be CGI mummy. Um, it's awful, dude. I still like the movie, but it is it is not as good as I liked it the first time. Um, there's definitely a lot of movies. This is my list. There's a lot of movies I know I'm leaving off. Like, yeah, I looked it up. I, I think uh, 123. Uh, uh, one for some reason, there's one that's like um, Doctor Jekyll and Mrs Hyde, and I think it has the crazy lady from um, what's her name, Sean Young. Oh yeah, it's Doctor Jekyll and Mrs Hyde. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Uh, I've not seen that. There's movie. one that we used to have at the video store, um, and the cover was a like a pill, like a a white and red pill, and then the red pill was like a like a body coming out of it. I, I don't even. That's probably two thousand something. The page Master that had. Yeah, was me <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, Carrie was telling me that uh, it's got a great um, Jekyll Hyde story. I, I, I haven't seen that since I like I was a kid, but yeah, I remember. Anybody else? Anything to to add? Sure, don't. I think that's plenty for Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, a lot of films. I'm yeah. glad that we covered it. Uh, I am just disappointed that the other two guys didn't get to watch Frederick March Frederick March's version because I think maybe we'll that would have been a it. much longer conversation if we had. Sure. So, so maybe when that gets a legit release, we can we can throw it on our one of our mash picks. All right. For shizzle. Right on. Well, 
For those of you listening at home, if you have any other recommendations for Jekyll and Hyde that you think we should check out, by all means, reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Let us know if we missed anything, anything you disagree with, or anything you think we should watch. We always love to hear from you. And uh, as the occasional plug, I like to invite you to get on iTunes or whatever app you use and uh, give us a rating and a review, if you will. It helps us out. It helps us uh, get more uh, exposure and so that we get further out to the podcast world so that we can uh, meet other folks who enjoy these films as much as we do. So, again, we thank you for listening to the show and signing off from the Jekyll and Hyde episode. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner. I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Stay scary. Hey, Riley. <laughs>